0: Hey there, everyone.
1: <laughs> My name is John Gilbert, and this is... Tammy Kalei! And Casey Jackson. And we are with the Institute for Individual and Organizational Change, and we are here to help you enhance your outcomes and improve your well, improve your evidence-based communication skills around you helping either individuals or communities that you serve or the organizations you're in mm-hmm. with some evidence-based communication and coming at that from different angles. And one of those angles today is going to be talking about equipoise and the writing reflex and how that kind of plays into uh, helping people with communication skills. So there's a lot of angles we can take. Uh, we've talked about it in other podcasts as well, um, but this one's going to be a really a deep dive and we even have a podcast that Casey and I have a while, done. That's, a while ago. Yeah, it's, it's a deep, deep dive. So we're going to try to touch on some of those, but that'll be a value add for, for you uh, out there in the membership uh, to get access to that. If, you, if you're really interested uh, in some controversial topics, uh, we'll see how deep we go into that in this one. Uh, but first of all, if someone's coming onto this to learn about the writing reflex and equipoise, just quickly, briefly, what would you say... Uh, those things are, just to start us.
0: The two things I think of off the top of my head for writing reflex is it's a reflex. And if you go to the front part of it, mostly because you think you're right. (laughs) Uh, So (laughs) if you're going to call it simple, that's a simple way to look Mm -hmm. at it, is the writing reflex. I think I'm right, I think you're wrong, and I'm having a reflex or a reaction to Mm -hmm. that. I think that's a simple way. Um, A way conceptually to think about it for me that i like to use is with a cat when i was actually again we've talked about on multiple cat podcasts webcasts um, i like to look at the definitions and find out i want to be accurate with it and i remember seeing that a cat has a writing reflex so it writes itself in the air mm-hmm. and it lands on its feet so if it falls out of a tree or gets tossed up in the air um you know its body just twists itself around to try to get its it will land on its feet mm-hmm. it writes itself in the air mm-hmm. And so that would be my kind of quick take on the writing reflex is I'm having a reaction because I think I'm right or mm-hmm. because somebody's saying something and it's kind of twisting me out of orientation, I'm trying to get reoriented mm-hmm. again and, mm-hmm. and get back into what I think lines up with what my worldview is.
1: And then how does that relate that to equipoise? What is equipoise mm-hmm. and how does that relate to it? Well,
0: equ- equipoise is equal position. You, you're, you're going into a situation where equipoise is being balanced or unbiased Mm -hmm. um, when you go into uh, any situation Mm -hmm. uh, equal position of equipoise and what you look at with when we had the whole conversation about physics and the writing reflex and, and resistance um when we get frustrated with somebody, if someone triggers our writing reflex, it's really hard to stay balanced or unbiased. Mm -hmm. When somebody Mm -hmm. says that we've talked about having Mm -hmm. podcasts on politics or other podcasts about elements of MI.
1: And a whole program called (laughs) CII that we might be unveiling (laughs) 2020. (laughs) 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 Probably shouldn't say the time. (laughs) It's timeless, (laughs) but yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, But equipoise and writing reflex and resistance kind of interface with each other Because if I'm trying to stay unbiased, we've talked about in motivational interviewing, you're trying to go into it unbiased, you know, leaning into types of talk, but Mm -hmm. trying to be less attached to someone else's outcome Mm -hmm. in our way that we look at motivational interviewing um, through IFIOC. And when someone does something that we wildly disagree with or their behavior is completely not in alignment with a pro-social value Mm -hmm. or their own values and goals, we tend to get triggered, which Mm -hmm. when we get triggered we tend to fall out of equipoise. We don't mm-hmm. stay unbiased. We tend to be biased and share our opinions mm-hmm. with them. When we share our opinions, there's a higher likelihood it's going to generate tension between two things, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. resistance. Mm-hmm. So okay. I think those are like the, the quick down and dirties on okay. resistance and equipoise. Um, we can get more into how they fit together in a proactive, uh, you know, progressive way in a dialogue. Mm-hmm. But just basically speaking, that's the way that I look at writing reflex and equipoise and, and how it fits in with resistance.
2: Cool. So in real life, um, Examples of what I always think with, especially the writing reflex, is when I get together with, like, girlfriends or friends or someone's telling me about a problem that they're struggling with and how quickly I just want to go, oh, you need to do this. Yes. And and then how quickly, yeah, yeah, how quickly you see the eyes blaze over as they go, hmm, I don't know (laughs) (laughs) if that's the right solution for me. Yes, yes. And so it's easy in those situations Mm -hmm. for us to want to, like, Tell people that we're right, you need to do this, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. give people advice, but they don't always necessarily want that mm-hmm. advice too. Mm-hmm. Well, cause um, it's
1: coming from that well-meaning place and there's a yes. lot of people that get into helping professions versus business professions, which we can have a whole conversation around this as well. That'll, that'll be interesting with the writing reflex. But if you're going into a helping profession, you genuinely mean well, if you haven't gotten super jaded mm-hmm. <laughs> of years of, of, of things, but you genuinely mean well and yeah. you're in a friendship situation or a helping situation If you just did this, well, how about you try that? Well, you know, don't you know the research shows this, if it's healthcare or something, or my own (laughs) writing devices, being very aware to that. Um, It just is so well-meaning, and it really is trying to contribute to the person, yet it's not, for some reason, a lot of the time, this is kind of like harping on the physics of communication, like we talked about in another podcast it's not resonating with them. It's not, uh, landing in a way that is our intention, which here, let me give you this answer and then things will get better. So I think that's such a practical example of day to day with friends or whatever. We tend to give unsolicited advice, which tends to not be received all the time as well. When we Mm -hmm. are working with someone that's still not quite sure about
2: change. And
1: it's a version of our writing reflex, not that, I see them as wrong, but I'm trying to fix them because mm-hmm. I want to make it right. That's another way to look at it as well is, mm-hmm. as, Dr. Susan Butterworth talks about the fix it hat creeping up yeah. and that the fix it hat is coming on when we're with friends or being, trying to help someone. And I think yeah. that's an, another helpful way to look at writing reflex mm-hmm. that takes us out of equal position, which has a higher likelihood for generating some of the resistance mm-hmm. or the, mm, I don't want to talk to you about this because uh, you're not really hearing me and you're just giving me advice. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and And you haven't, thought about the fact that I've thought about this for a while because yes. I mean like even you guys have, have I'm sure you guys can think back to times where someone's all of a sudden given you advice and you're sitting there and you're like I need to smile and nod because they're my friends and you know yes. I want to seem engaged but really I'm like you have no idea so mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Or
0: maybe that's just me. No, it is just you. No, that's (laughs) totally, totally.
1: And I'll add really opening myself to consider the intention of what's happening and the feedback, knowing that I can sometimes push it away, but also just being, oh, I need to pay attention. If I'm going to manage my writing reflex to their writing reflex, then I'm going to really go internal and not blame outside myself. Like we've talked about in other uh, podcasts and I'm going to go, okay, I'm going to recognize their intent is positive. And I'm going to make a positive assumption or an assumption of positive intent in those situations has helped me a ton that they really do mean well. Yes. Yes. um, And that there's something to learn here, whether it's exactly what they're saying or not. Maybe not. But I understand, at least to some degree, that it would only generate resistance if I respond to my writing reflex from their writing reflex. Yeah. So why even go there? Yeah. Right. Like, like I need to stay in equal position if I want to be the change of bringing harmony to this and also some humility.
0: Exactly. You know, and
1: just listening to you
0: both talk about it, what strikes me as well, too, it really reinforces that not every conversation is a motivational based conversation. Yeah. Exactly. A behavior change-focused conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and, and how there are some conversations where we are attached to outcomes, mm-hmm. um, and we want very specific outcomes. Mm-hmm. There's just, to be able to balance that in a way you mm-hmm. really do understand that it is those aren't mi-based conversations mm-hmm. um, even if we're trying to get somebody to change behavior mm-hmm. it's literally we're trying to get someone to change their behavior mm-hmm. which means we're attached to the outcome mm-hmm. we want them to be what with them to what we want them to be which is more of a compliance method mm-hmm. or model of communication and so we've talked about this regarding politics we've talked about this regarding mm-hmm. personal relationships or interpersonal relationships like one would you use mi when you would you not use mi but that writing reflex and equipoise is such a key construct of starting mm-hmm. to think about mm-hmm. how attached am I to the outcome? Mm-hmm. Is this even an MI-based conversation? Should we be having this? Yeah. For, we're calling this an MI-based conversation mm-hmm. uh, if these things are being triggered. Or it could still be a perfectly good MI-based conversation, but mm-hmm. that level of, you've talked about, John, multiple times, the level of self-awareness that we have mm-hmm. going into it, that level of self-assessment, mm-hmm. um, how, how does that impact or play into the dialogue?
1: And that that's really big to, to start taking into account what, what Casey's getting at here of, uh, Basically, what lens are we approaching? If we're approaching from a motivational interviewing lens, that's kind of how we're this whole membership thing is based off of. But if you're going to now go in the lens and then a conversation that's motivational interviewing, you're going to be aware of the dynamics of writing reflex and equipoise and Mm -hmm. how much you're in it or not in it. That's a different thing with MI than if you just focus on your writing reflex and equipoise. Right. Mm-hmm. So there is something to be said about, even if you're just with friends like you were bringing up, Tammy, yeah. that you can be aware of these things if you're thinking about this for personal life or you're thinking about this uh, just in, in specific situations, be it a supervisor and a supervisee, just watching your own writing reflex, feeling it sp- Sensing yourself come out, sensing yourself giving unsolicited advice and wanting to just catch it back as you I see the resistance yes. pour out. That doesn't necessarily mean you're focusing on MI. It means you're being more aware of the physics of right. communication, of communication. Right. Mm-hmm. around and, and more aware of your own writing of, uh and, uh and, oh, uh, yeah. and that whole process and why that's happening. And so uh, that's just a wonderful thing to capture in general, regardless, because that, that transcends MI, it goes right. far beyond motivational interviewing, uh, but it's so core to MI to even have a dialogue about change that isn't defensive the whole time exactly. on either end. The other thing that I was really uh, hoping we could get into, there's two things that have come up so far. One is this whole idea about um, who is defining what is... Oh, I'm really it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who is defining what is right and wrong? Who is defining what's pro social and antisocial? Like, for example, uh, this is going to be a controversial topic, but I'm going to lay this one out and then lay, lay out Tammy's and we can kind of take it wherever, but... You were saying like pro-social values. Well, well, their values are values. Now, pro-social or antisocial behaviors, that's where we could start to get into that dialogue. and Whole is other it, podcast. <laughs> 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 well, that's why we dove so deep into it. But there is an important conversation around how do you remain in equipoise when someone is uh, either actively using or trying to get over methamphetamines, who has children that are being impacted by that, right. and CPS is involved how do you remain in equipoise and shouldn't we be attached to an outcome, right? So I want to raise that as a possibility to dive into at some point. Um, There's also the possibility of what we alluded to a little bit earlier of, (laughs) of what some people might have a writing reflex listening to this, if you're in the MI world, of using motivational interviewing in a ethically influential way in sales? Is that even possible? How do you remain in equipoise if there's a conflict of interest and you're selling a product, which is the world that you've come over from, mm-hmm. Tammy? So these are just light conversation topics that <laughs> I'm
2: in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we can go in either direction, but each of them includes how do you manage writing reflex either looked at as beneficent and altruistic and pro-social and I just want the best for them, but I'm still having a writing reflex and getting out of equipoise if I If I try to get them to stop doing methamphetamine or in sales, which is seen as much more dirty and and not as uh, beneficent and altruistic, trying to get them to buy this product because I'll benefit from that. So Mm -hmm. if we could kind of talk about writing reflex and equipoise in relation to those examples, I'd be very curious of your thoughts and where you would want to start.
2: Where do we want to start? I
1: got, I've got thoughts.: <laughs>
2: Okay, go.: Most
0: of what I'm having right now is a writing reflex. <laughs>
2: so, <laughs> it's perfect we so talk about exactly. It.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> so what I can talk about a little bit about my writing reflex is part of my writing reflex is defending myself, having done work with like your company actually.
2: Oh)
0: okay. um, that you used to work for. And um, you have some key questions going into it. I did ask key questions. And
2: yep. and I'll also have a different perspective to share on my side of that too, okay. in the sense of our company philosophy.
0: Well, and it's not the, and, and sales yeah. is not always an evil, terrible thing. Exactly. You know, you know it's not all you, mm. used car salesmen counting exactly. their money mm-hmm. and smoking their cigar and mm-hmm. sawdust and engines. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> the stereotype. Uh, yeah. Right. Yes. Right. So so part of what my writing reflex is, is that, when I've listened to some conversations or even read some writings um, within the MI world on Equipoise and what it is and what it's not, and we've talked about, you know, there's. You know, I was in the middle of a heated conversation that ended up on film. Um,
1: uh, Which may be linked to it. We, we, may or we probably won't link to oh. it <laughs> We don't uh, have access to it. We think. still have access. Yeah. What oh, we do. We do? Oh, okay. Yeah. And then request.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't
1: request.
0: <laughs> Um, so there's another person involved who's very well known in the MI world, too. Anyway. Um, but we got into a conversation about equipoise and what the conversation ended up moving in towards. And this is a very popular thought in motivational interviewing is in MI, there are times we're attached to the outcome.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I want somebody to get treatment. I want them to go to inpatient. And it, that triggers my writing reflex because from a physics perspective, and we've had our whole conversations about the physics of MI, well, that's a compliance model. You're just being nice. You're using good MI strategies to get them to an outcome that you want them to get to. But they'd be healthier if they got to that outcome. Right. And this is, my whole, this is the whole issue with then is that equipoise or not. There's one whole large camp that believes that you shift out of equipoise. And, and even as soon as you start to give more preferential treatment to change talk over sustained talk, that you're out of equipoise at that point. I, that's what that camp is saying. That's what that camp yeah. says. And, and, and there's good, legitimate reasons, why, and I understand the rationale behind that. And I remember having that conversation, and I remember scrambling, running back to my hotel room, actually, and <laughs> scrambling and searching all the information that I had because I knew that there was also a counterpoint that, that looked at it through the lens I looked at. And it was ironically, thankfully, from, at the time, Bill Miller, um, in a presentation I think he'd done in Sweden, uh, he and, and Stephen Rolnick had done, and specifically, I found the PowerPoint. I don't know how the heck I found it, but I found the PowerPoint slide deck, and I remember and I remember reading the slide that said, "You can stay in equipoise through the entire process, um, give preferential treatment to change talk, and still not be attached to their outcome." Mm-hmm that you can go into it and just because you're... It doesn't mean you're trying to to bias them one way or the other, but just because you are giving more preferential treatment to one type of talk over another type of talk doesn't mean you're attached to their outcome. And it was like I... And I thought, that's exactly what I was... That's the way my brain was looking mm-hmm. at it. And are we trying to generate a sustained behavior change or are we trying to get them into treatment or to eat healthier or whatever? It just, for me, it starts to contaminate... When I look at it from a physics perspective, it starts to contaminate the model. But but then I hear it justified because, oh, this professional in MI said it or this really well-known person in MI said it. And I keep thinking, but that kind of goes against the basic physics, the way that I teach it, which, again, what I own completely is that's my writing mm-hmm. reflex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's me going, well, wait a second. This kind of is... A compliance model, but we're just being nice and mm-hmm. we're using motivational learning to get them to the outcome we want to get them towards. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why I can see two viable camps mm-hmm. looking at it differently that, mm-hmm. you no, know, you step out of equipoise as soon as you start to, I'm not, I am attached to their outcome mm-hmm. and I step out of equipoise as soon as I'm going to start give preferential treatment to change talk. Um, but for me, I look at more of the method of it and I think, but I'm helping them navigate towards where they want to go. Mm-hmm. And this is why I can see the difference between, which we've had conversations about, even, even conversations in, in the ongoing development, like the newest versions of the MICA, mm-hmm. as we keep editing it,
2: yeah. Yeah, um, the, the difference go. between
0: do we need a target behavior, do we not need a target behavior, and the thing we've talked about in other podcasts, about Stephen Rolnick talking about values okay. and how much we, exactly. you know, even prior to that conversation, really it had developed when I developed Focus Mountain and the values-driven approach. It doesn't mandate that there's a target behavior to be able to have an MI-based conversation. Again, from Mm the version of it the way I Mm -hmm. teach and and look at MI and the outcomes that I see happen from this is, but once people get clear about their values, they start to get clear about the targeted behavior they need to work on. That whole process is motivational interviewing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't need to be attached to the outcome Mm -hmm. to have that happen. what I'm attached to the outcome of is using a method. What I want to do well and accurately is a method of communication that helps Tammy resolve her ambivalence so her behavior lines up with her values mm-hmm. and her goals. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a particular slide I'm thinking about. Um, some of you may have seen if you've been through our trainings before, but there's the slide, there's, there's tons of different pictures of it. Basically, an, an individual holding two things they're debating between there's tons of pictures around that kids mm-hmm. you know holding a, a book and you know an ice cream cone or you know an, an adult holding mm-hmm. you know a, a carrot and a, and a slice of pizza and the example I use when I show that particular slide between a woman looking at a, a healthy choice and unhealthy choice in her hands is for me what a pure MI based conversation is based on the physics or the way that I look at motivational interviewing as far as helping change behavior is if Tammy is debating between these two things. I just want her to be crystal clear. Who is she? What are her values? And which decision lines up with who she wants to be, not only now, but five years from now, 20 years from Mm -hmm. now, 50 years from now. And at the end of that conversation, what she may say to me, and this is the example that I've always used, is she may say, you know what, Casey, this conversation was so helpful, and it scores perfectly great on MI. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, she could say, this was so helpful. This summer is the last summer I get with my kids before they take off for college. I am not going to stress over everything I put in my mouth. Mm -hmm. I am going to be present with them. I'm going to have a blast with them. I'm going to savor every single moment I'm with them. And I'm not going to be sitting there counting calories or saying, no, I'm not going to get that because Mm -hmm. whatever. And she walks away from that feeling really resolved that she wants to be present Mm -hmm. in her relationships with her children more than ever before. Mm -hmm. And not let these other things kind of detract from her. Mm That's her resolving her ambivalence and me not being attached to her outcome. It's not mm-hmm. how do I use MI to make her eat what I think she should be eating and mm-hmm. have the lifestyle I think she should have. Mm-hmm. That to me is where the writing reflex is getting yes. triggered. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, we can, and we can generate that. We can justify it altruistically. Yes. and This is where we so can start sliding into say. business mm-hmm. perspective <laughs> yeah. is, well, if we're in behavioral health care and healthcare, it's okay. But if mm-hmm. it's not in healthcare and behavioral health if it's in sales or in, in corporate mm-hmm. life, then that's not okay because we are attached to the outcome or yes. manipulating people. And I think well, let's step back and be accurate. Me trying to get them into an inpatient program, what's the difference between that and them buying a condo? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's better their health. Mm-hmm. You know, we can justify it all sorts mm-hmm. of ways, but then to me, that's the writing reflex on top of the writing reflex, mm-hmm. justifying why we're, why we're attached to an outcome that's okay, mm-hmm. and there's a level of um, righteousness about mm-hmm. that that I, that I try to take into account when mm-hmm. I look at it. And the same example with Tammy. Looking at two sides of this, she and I I could have a purely MI conversation, scores MI across the board on any MI measure. Mm -hmm. At the end of it, she could say the exact opposite. She could say, you know what? This conversation was so helpful. But I need to stop justifying why I'm not eating healthier. Mm-hmm. And I could use my kids going off to school of why I'm not going to eat healthier. But the reality is I want to be around for them for the long mm-hmm. run. Mm-hmm. I want to be around for them when they get back from college. I want to be around for them when they have children. I want to mm-hmm. be around for my grandchildren. I want to be around for my grandchildren's children. And I need to start eating healthier now. Mm-hmm. That could be a perfectly good MI-based conversation that mm-hmm. helped to resolve our ambivalence. And for me... When this whole conversation is about equipoise, the writing reflex, um, and resistance, what I'm trying to do is have Tammy have the ultimate conversation with herself mm-hmm. that helps her resolve her ambivalence around a target behavior that helps her get her behavior in line with what her values mm-hmm. are, mm-hmm. not getting her behavior in line with what my values are.
2: That was super powerful. Okay. I want to slow down on that. Okay. <laughs> because I think that is that is... Also my motivation why I do am I and stuff is helping people understand their own thoughts and feelings yes. and work through that themselves yes because when you're focus and you guys correct me if I'm wrong but I my motivation is not tied to an outcome of getting some pla- someone someplace ever but my motivation is I want to help you go through a process that at the end you are where you want to be period and that would be an MI I win for me yes.
1: Which is also why there are things in our society for compliance, like prison systems for people that genuinely, sociopaths or psychopaths, have 0.000 ambivalence about the antisocial behaviors they're doing, they get their values fulfilled, as you helped teach me this, Casey, and you had these conversations with people, even young kids, um, and you could talk more about that if you wish, but if there's 0.0 ambivalence that anything is wrong or that I want something to be different, and it's all antisocial behaviors that are very disturbing, there is a place in society for compliance to create more peace and functioning in society, harmony in society. It doesn't mean there's no place for compliance. But it does mean, are you focused more on you judging the behavior or them judging the behavior? Right. Whose head are you in? That's Whose reality can, that's are you operating Good from? way to look at it. And yeah. just shifting that alone is a huge shift, but it's hard when you have so many judgments and biases. And we're ironically, when all of a sudden I feel justified to get you into inpatient treatment with methamphetamine or something, because society, it's better for society and it's better for your health just undeniably across the board as I'm defining it. All of a sudden, I feel justified to lean into that as prescribing and making you comply, Mm -hmm. which is so different than giving you choice to be whoever you want to be and being curious about some of the maybe reasons you've done it. And, oh, it helps you cope. You get a sense of before you get all these things. And then what are some of the either not so good things or what are some of the things you'd like to be different in your life? Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a very different conversation to have with someone and It doesn't mean you're always going to have these amazing full-on MI conversations. Steven Rolnick has like a three-minute video he posted on a kind of methamphetamine scenario recently that was uh, just simply asking, well, what would make it worth... We should link to that for the questions. Yeah, let's let's definitely. Mm -hmm. And he's like asking, well, what would make it even worthwhile to seek out, you know, some help if you do... You know, something along these lines of if you wanted it. It was just one question in a matter of three minutes after he got engagement... That was very mindful and powerful for him to stay in equipoise. But be curious about this person's version of happier and healthier, Mm -hmm. which gets back to what you were talking about, Tammy, of we're there to help them with a process of change. And that's why these books are called Helping uh, Change and Helping in this Neutral Way, Helping Mm -hmm. Guide Towards Change, which is... So critical to what you're bringing up is they're the ones defining happier and healthier, yes. but that doesn't mean we might bring in some information or something like that for that sure helps
2: that helps them get where they want to go because mm-hmm. we all have insights and ideas that can help support. But as long as they're going through their own process of navigating their own thoughts and feelings and thinking about what life would look like, yes. what life wouldn't look like, all those type of things, then we're being helpful and they're getting to the the outcome that I ultimately feel successful in. Mm-hmm. Whether they choose a specific target behavior and, and resolution or not, I'm not necessarily tied to that. But as long mm-hmm. as they go through that process and get to an outcome that they feel really good about, that feels really good to me too.
0: And I'll tell you, is you guys are talking about this, and, and one of the things you brought up, John, I think one of the things that <laughs> triggered my writing reflex again when I was providing trainings, I remember this year, this probably 10 years, or probably a decade ago, and I remember people kind of sitting there um, at this one addiction treatment agency I was doing training for, and so people were kind of just sitting back in their chairs and kind of disinterested. And I said, you know what's going on? They said, well, we've been through MI training before. We don't call it motivational. ringing mean, we just call it motivational manipulation. Mm. Mm. And, mm. And, that, and, that, and that triggered my writing reflex mm. because I thought where did you get that training? Because that's not motivational interviewing. Mm -hmm. But then there was a whole thing of how do we use this method to get them into treatment? How do you get them use this method? And their whole training was on how to use this method to get people, the outcome you want to get them to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just think well, fundamentally, if we look through a physics lens, if you're getting them to go where you want them to go, that is compliance model. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, Oh, that makes sense. Why they call it motivational manipulation. Mm -hmm. So you're using a technique to get the outcome you want. But you're saying you're affecting behavior change, and it's like, mm-hmm. well, w- w- wait a second you're mm-hmm. starting to you're starting to contaminate yes. different constructs then, and I think that's yeah. why for me, it's you know we've we've talked before about the physics of of communication, mm-hmm. the physics of motivational interviewing. That I like looking at that lens through, and I think because I tend to challenge things so much in my own mind, I really wanted to be consistent with motivational interviewing, but have it more water tight from uh, a teaching perspective you know it needs to hold water for me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and And when it's like consistent right and it can't just be well this is motivational reading, so it comes from a place of compassion well, good, now let's take two more steps. Well, mm-hmm. how is it compassionate if we're taking this approach to it? Yeah, or this mm-hmm. scenario. Or that and when it scenario. starts leaking left and right for me, mm-hmm. that it's like I can't yeah. I can't teach it this way. It just yeah. doesn't work for my brain. So, yeah. again, what I'm going to keep saying is I don't – this is the flip side of my writing reflexes. I'm not saying that I think I'm right, mm-hmm. but I feel very comfortable training in a model. And when I hear things that are like, wait a second, it's almost like talking out of both sides of your mouth if you're saying – notes about empowering the person, it's a person centered approach as long as they get to the outcome that we're trying to get them to. Mm-hmm. It's like wait a second, that's mm-hmm. that's is yeah. an inconsistent